Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. As we always do, we're going to start the week uh, with uh, a guest to look back at some of the stories uh, from today and the weekend. Today, it's Elaine Burke, uh, the host of the For Tech's Sake podcast. That's hard to say without falling over, really. But uh, <laughs> uh, Elaine, uh, nice to see you again. Uh, now, I, I suppose a lot of people would have seen this story. This is the uh, the report that was issued today by Oxfam that the rich just get richer. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be like a hot topic all through the week now once it's put in people's minds the actual value points that that the wealth hoarding actually accounts for. So the latest report from Oxfam for Ireland, I, I think they've done it globally and they've released this to coincide with the gathering of the very wealthy and powerful in, in Davos. Um, but they're saying that uh, the top two people in terms of wealth in Ireland equates to about 15 billion euro and that's more than the poorest half and it's more than by I think 50% like it's a huge difference and Mm -hmm. that's just two people Uh, but generally the wealthiest 1% of the country account for 25% of the country's wealth um, and that's about 232 billion euro yeah yeah. But that's the, just just the way it's been. I mean, this sounds very fatalistic yeah. of me. That's just the way it's been going uh, all over yeah. the world, not just Oh yeah, and it's absolutely going to continue because the people who make this happen are the wealthy and powerful and they continue to be wealthy and powerful because they exert the influence to mm. continue and be wealthy and powerful. And that's what happens at Davos every year as well. They get together and just co- conspire about how do we maintain our wealth hoarding? But it is insane. You cannot call yourself a just society in any account when you've got that kind of wealth hoarding. And it is hoarding. No individual individual needs this level of money in a lifetime or even in several lifetimes when you're talking about billionaires and hundreds of billions and stuff like that. And even in the case of like former richest person in the world, Elon Musk, lost billions, billions upon billions practically overnight uh, because of Twitter valuations and Tesla valuations kind of plummeting. And he's still grand. He still has the wealth of Mm. multiple nations to his name. Like it is it's just insanity and we, we just accept it and we're always going to have to accept it because the people who run the show have that money and they want to continue to do so. Because at the end of the day, the money's not real. It's not liquid. It's not like piles of cash. It's not Scrooge McDuck swimming to his, yeah. his gold coins or anything like that. It's valuations. And I mean, the people who then kind of dictate valuations are investors or people who have wealth and have money and people who run the stock market and stuff like that. So it's all it's all nonsense and it's all to their benefit, really. Yeah. At the end of the day. Though, I mean, it does have a connection with real money in the real world. Now, Oxfam were saying that they, you know, the, uh, can I suppose saying this in the context, we should have some sort of wealth tax in this country. Yeah. Um, and like when you're thinking about massive sums of money, small percentages reap huge benefits. Like they're talking about scales of like two to five percent on the wealth that's like over four, a 4.7 million euro threshold. Like that doesn't actually sound too unreasonable in mm. terms of the money. And that would recoup, they, they've accounted for 8.2 billion euro at that uh, with those scales implemented. And like that, that could be very, very useful money. Yes, <laughs> yes, it could be very, very useful. And, and, but I suppose if there was a, somebody from the government here today, they'd say, ah, well, now, if we start taxing uh, the wealthy and their and or their corporations, then uh, they, they'll go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. we won't have as many jobs but, and all that kind of stuff. Well, like, what about them going elsewhere if we're still suffering here? with the terrible health, health service, like lack of housing, all the problems that the general population has. Like, why are you accounting for, oh, but then the billionaires won't come here. It's like, so, <laughs> look after the people that are here. <laughs> Think about them for a minute. Yeah, it's just, it, it is astounding, really. And and it's still, 
not just in this country, but, but in many countries around the world, people still kind of ascribe to the general idea of trickle-down economics, that somehow if someone yeah, at the yeah. top gets richer, that, that has a knock-on effect for no, other but people. That, that's why we use the phrase wealth hoarding now, because mm. that's what this is. This is people sitting on piles of like valuation-led uh, wealth. Like They're not doing anything with it. Like That's why Elon Musk could have lost so much in such a short space of time and mm. it didn't really impact anything. It barely impacted him, really. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, apart from just, he made a complete, you know, yeah. bags of Twitter and uh, yeah. people lost their jobs and stuff. Yeah, but that's yeah. not to do with his loss. Oh, like, no, no, not at all. the fact no. of all of that. So, yeah. like, none of this has actually had an impact. Like, if it's that meaningless, well, then just take it back into the tax system <laughs> and do work something and actually with do it. Some... Put it to work. <laughs> that's, but that's also the thing. A lot of these people at Davos... They're like they're they're at risk of dislocation. They're patting themselves in the back so much because they think that they are like Jesus oh, just yeah, because they've amassed loads of money. They call themselves philanthropists a lot of the yeah. time, as, as instead of like entrepreneur, investor, or you know, son of an emerald miner. You yeah, know <laughs> and they can just write off all that and say, "Oh, we're doing good with our wealth and stuff like that." No. Bill Gates has usually trotted the example of this noble billionaire and plans to give away all of his wealth in his lifetime and stuff like that. But it's still like, I think even he has kind of touched around the issue that like, it's not necessarily moral to be a billionaire in in a world of such wealth inequality. Yeah. How could it be moral? Then again, I suppose, do you you put a a figure, a financial figure on morality? I I don't know how you do that either. That might be uh, uh, tricky. Now, the second story you've chose is, and I'll read this out. Ryan Reynolds uh, used chatbot chat GPT to make a Mint mobile ad. What the hell does any of yeah, that mean? bunch of words. Okay, yes, bunch so. of words, none of which I understand. Ryan Explain Reynolds. to the old man. <laughs> sure uh, I may nod off in the middle of this. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Reynolds, I know who Ryan Reynolds yeah. is. Okay. Ryan Reynolds, the actor, uh, Hollywood movie star, but also he's a bit of a businessman. He actually has his finger in a lot of uh, different business ventures. Uh, Wrexham FC, actually one of those yes, ventures. Yes. Um, but he's also the owner of Mint Mobile, which is a mobile service out in the States. And he's used this thing called ChatGPT, which is a, a generative AI. So that's these new uh, artificial intelligent programs that you input something to it and tell it what you want to give as an output. So there's one called Dali, which you tell it, I want a picture of a radio host wearing headphones in the Newstock studio. And they might give you some summation of, of the scene that I'm looking at now. Yeah. Um, or they might get it way off. Um, and ChatGPT is more of a chat-based generative AI. So you give it pointers. And in this case, he said, write me an ad for this company that I own in my style with a joke and a curse word, because that's his very much his style, mm. and also mentioning this promotion. And it wrote it for him. And it does write things really well. And it, he actually said in the text, in the context of the ad, he was doing this to show how Mint Mobile is all about saving people money. And without going deeper into that little snippet, uh, what he's saying there is that this thing is going to be used by companies in the future to do things that's normally done by paid professionals. Yes, yeah. So... Great. <laughs> and uh, I assume he's at Davos this week then. Oh, uh, yeah. I wonder, does he have a seat at the table there? Um, and have they actually used this as, a, as an actual advert then? Or did he kind of just do it as a So what he's done project? is he's kind of like combined this promotional material in a, a virally kind of video. Like he's introducing that he's used ChatGPT to make ChatGPT to make the ad and then he reads the ad. And, it, and then that's the ad, essentially. It's him saying 
it's very meta yes. <laughs> I'm doing the ad <laughs> and I'm also like being the ad and telling you about the ad and the, what's behind the scene while I'm doing it but I think what, what's interesting about this is that this whole thing of generative AI you're going to see a lot of it throughout this year because it started to explode just the end of last year with the image generator uh, content to come out first and now this kind of text generator it also can generate code but it's really biased and it's littered with problems like someone asked it to code for uh, a scientist and it basically said in, in coding speak if male plus white then successful scientist um, <laughs> yeah you know so these are the kind of results and it can also be wrong now there's talk of Microsoft wanting to incorporate into their Bing search engine mm. rival with Google by a massive massive distance um, but it wants to use ChatGPT to possibly share, serve answers to people's search queries. But someone, again, uh, demonstrating some of the flaws with this system, asked it once, what's the fastest marine mammal? And it said the peregrine fal- falcon, <laughs> not a marine mammal. Um, so it definitely has issues. And if it's going to be incorporated more and more into systems that we use, uh, there's going to be a lot of problems there. Um, it still has a lot of kinks to work out, like a lot of artificial intelligence technologies and I don't think this is the end of what you're going to hear of this yeah. kind of stuff. Because uh, we were only talking last week about uh, the possibility for AI to compose music. Yeah, yeah. People are using it for stuff like that and that's the thing, Like they're using it for real creative works but those AIs are built on the back of works that were already made by people. So in the case mm. of the image stuff, it scrapes images that are already existing online. And those images tend to have been created by professional creators who got paid for that work. And then maybe they published it on um, there's these kind of online databases where they can share the work and then hopefully get more work out of that. So if it's using those databases, well, then it's going to possibly make billions and millions of dollars off the work of other people without ever crediting or acknowledging yeah, their yeah. work that went into it. And that's really sketchy when you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, because apparently it could take 40 years of songwriting from any artist you care to name and then knock out a few thousand John Lennon songs in an afternoon that sound like that might be John Lennon. And like there's huge copyright issues already in music with stuff like that where something sounds enough like something that they'll be brought to court over it. When that comes to like this, like AI doing that stuff, uh, it, it can actually be told to do it in the style of like so Ryan Reynolds when he's doing that ad said in the style of Ryan Reynolds that's the instruction that he gave and people do that they'll input uh, into the Dali uh, AI I want this uh, in the style of Rodan or some artist that they like and that could be like even just some you know illustrator that they're a fan of that they want to rip off essentially for free it's terrifying as well. You and me are going to be unemployed. I do this in the future. Congratulations. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, the, the, even though there seems to be a lot of, you know, jo- or there's a perception at least, there's a lot of job losses in, in the tech area. Uh, Klarna have opened uh, a tech recruitment hub which would seem to indicate the opposite. Yeah, so this is an interesting signal to anyone who's getting really wary of the, the tech sector and the hiring situation there. Now, I'm not denying there's not losses and there's going to be more losses I'd be pretty convinced of that Um, but there is also still at the same time hiring and recruitment happening in tech especially in the high skill uh, engineering area but what Clarinet is doing here is it's hiring the people to do the hiring so it's actually hiring tech recruiters which are a lot of the people who lost their jobs Mm. in those rounds of of layoffs in in the last uh, couple of months Uh, a lot of that was in HR staff and recruitment so there are opportunities now it's a small enough team that they're building they're doubling a team of seven to a team of four and then the plan is that those will be the people trained to then hire the engineers and they're probably going to hire a lot more in terms of engineering staff um, hopefully in Ireland and they'll definitely be hiring elsewhere they're headquartered in Stockholm themselves but they are growing a base here in Ireland and if anyone's not familiar already with Klarner it's the buy now pay later yeah, uh, app yeah. that you will have seen advertised and you probably see their pink buttons appearing on different commerce sites and stuff like that yeah um, the 
Now, is this the case that, that in school they're going to start teaching kids in, in Finland about misinformation? They're already doing it from preschool age in Finland. Oh, they're teaching from kids preschool. high level media literacy, like to, to the point that for five years in a row, the Open Institute survey of resilience against misinformation, Finland comes out on top five years in a row. Now, they have a great education system to begin with. Uh, they also have an advantage in that uh, Finnish is only actually spoken by about 5.4 million people worldwide. Um, so they can actually tell a lot easier if uh, Finnish content has been written by a non-native speaker yeah, and it's maybe yeah. been written to manipulate. Um, that's a huge advantage. Like English language that we that we generally speak here, a lot more problems there, a lot more difficult. Um, but what they do is, yeah, from a very, very young age, they have kids interacting with uh, media such as TikTok videos, like new, very, very new media that these teachers I know having to get familiar with um, and kind of getting them to look at it critically, look at it like, what are the author's intentions here of this, uh, this piece of content? Uh, how does it make you feel? Why do you think it's making you feel that way? Basically, teaching what we would have learned in traditional media literacy in school at a much older age like in our maybe late teens and secondary school um, teaching that but for new media which is it's not something that happens as commonly as, as you would think and as you yeah, hope and they're yeah. now trying to actually bring it out of the schools and into the broader community through uh, working with older adults and libraries and stuff like that it's just a, an amazing scheme that they're doing they even get the kids to actually make manipulated content and so that they learn how easy it is to, to make misinformation themselves and they've They've been doing this for, as I said, like for a number of years and they keep ranking really highly because of it. But what's interesting is that it's really coming to bear now because they're in a situation with the border with Russia and um, that a lot of yeah. disinformation is coming out of Russia and um, targeting Finns, targeting like all different types of people. But in Finland, they are getting a lot of that. And, and they're really seeing like the kind of the reason why they've been doing this for the last number of years is really coming to bear now because mm. it's happening. And obviously in the last couple of years, there's lots of COVID mis- misinformation in Finland, just like everywhere else. Um, so they're really kind of reaping the fruits of the labour that they've been putting into this and they're just definitely being held up as an example of how education systems need to adapt to this new form of media literacy. It's... Yeah, I suppose it's a good thing, but it, yeah. it also makes me a little sad in that in that we're bringing up kids in a world where you can't really believe anyone. But it, what's interesting is the um, the countries that do really well on this side of things have a high trust in the media. Mm. So that's that's one of the ranking factors is that when they have a high trust in the media is actually when they have better media literacy. So when you have media systems that you can trust then it actually can help your media literacy overall. Yeah. Um, when you're in maybe, you know, places that have state-run media that uh, is often manipulated to benefit the state and stuff like that, th- th- those problems are probably more prevalent because who can you possibly trust? Like, there isn't um, a framework for you to e- easily decipher who, who you can trust and who you can't. And when it comes down to, like, when we're looking at what could be generative AI writing news and producing yeah. news and stuff like that, producing the audio for news, like, there's a, there was also a story recently that Microsoft can allegedly create audio content from five seconds of someone speaking um, so with all of that coming down the line like this becomes even more important because you want to know when your content maybe hasn't had a human agency involved like there are articles coming out now that have been written secretly enough by ChatGPT and they're not being labelled like that and that, that gives me mm. pause because I really wonder like what does that mean for the future of media like when you're not even telling people that that's how this article came about that it wasn't overseen by any human being and it's just spewing out whatever a bot decided but then like on social media platforms I mean literally you don't know who 
I mean, you do, yeah. 99% of them, you don't know who these people are. You've never met them in real life. Uh, an awful lot of them call themselves, give themselves pretentious names. So you yeah. don't know if they're real people or not. Yeah. It, and that's, it, like, there's, there's that's no something way you can of learn, telling. though, because like, we have to learn that as journalists. Like, I have to train journalists in this all the time of like, you know, make sure like that account that you're creating a whole story around its tweet that it's legit because we had a huge problem in the last couple of months where there was lots of impersonation going on on Twitter where they could like impersonate with a blue tick an account because they pay for it. Yeah. So like someone impersonated the Eli Lilly account and said insulin is now free. Unfortunately, it's not. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And it looked legit because it had the blue tick which is what you use to use as a signifier and it had the Eli Lilly logo and had the Eli Lilly's name because Eli Lilly's official Twitter account is actually Lily Pad. It's kind of a fun, nice colloquialism. And uh, someone just bought a blue tick for the account Eli Lilly and Company, and it looked super, super legitimate. But what you would have seen was if you went to the Eli Lilly website, that they don't link to that account. So looking for backlinks and a whole network of, of links around an account is a, is a really good way to kind of determine its veracity. Um, and it's one trick that I always encourage people to do, that if you see something that looks a bit off on Twitter and it looks like it's from an official account, go to their official website and see if that website has any link back to that mm, account. Because yeah. that could be a good signal that it's a, if, if a hoax. Yeah. Still though, but it's like it's it's even the kind of if if for journalism, I suppose even the the baseline is is I suppose not so much that it used to be, but the baseline now you have to be utterly suspicious about any piece of information as a first principle before you can yeah, move forward like, with it. I mean, that's not a bad thing to be as a journalist that mm. you have to be like checking your sources and vetting everything. Like that's very good practice to be in. So for a journalist, I don't think it's asking too much of them. But for everyday people, it's it's a bit of a pain in the hoop to have yes. to go through all these checks <laughs> and balances. But like at the end of the day, like we're in an uh, environment where anyone can create any kind of content and really good looking slick looking content because of the way the web works now so you do have to be a bit wary about stuff yeah anyway uh, to uh, go into a more good news story Europe is now officially in the space race and is this kind of vanilla scene that is seeing Britain just narrowly managed to not do it we've kind of beaten them there yeah um, so this is the spaceport that's been launched out of Sweden um, officially kind of launched uh, today I think and um, probably not going to see a launch launch until later this year Yeah. Um, but actually what's important here is not really that we're competing with the UK or anything like that it's because the European Space Agency and also now NASA uh, are no longer cooperating with Roscosmos which is the Russian Space yeah. Agency for obvious reasons ever since the invasion of Ukraine they've cut their ties with Roscosmos because Roscosmos is a state-linked agency. And that causes a lot of problems because Roscosmos is actually a hugely significant player in uh, space launches, space technology, Mm. all sorts of stuff. You might also hear the Soyuz spacecraft is often what's used to ferry people to and from the International Space Station. There's questions over the International Mm. Space Station and the future of that and its cooperation with Roscosmos because it's meant to be this, you know, this kind of like space where regardless of your political affiliations all these astronauts and scientists came together but not so much now because of uh, the situation in Ukraine and there is no space launch port anywhere in the EU at the moment you need like a, a space with like a good amount yeah, of space for Yeah they used to use French Guiana sometimes yeah, for launches um, and obviously in the, in the States they use Cape Canaveral a lot and they have other spaces there and actually we use Baikonur in Kazakhstan quite a bit for uh, e- ESA and NASA launches um, but that's not in the EU so they wanted I think a space that was more under the control of EU because I think you know they've realised in the past year and I'm sure this was years in the making this this arrangement but I think it's come to the fore now when you realise that you're relying on outside of the block for these launches and for this cooperation and that can 
you know, come apart yeah. because yeah. of other bigger issues. And like, I mean, I think it's right that they try and go down this route of trying to, you know, have something that they can still run their space programs, but not being reliant on the Russian Space Agency. And um, because even like the ExoMars project, which is meant to bring um, a Mars rover out from the, the European Space Agency, it'd be, it'd be their first Mars rover, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, so NASA has a few rovers on Mars, but nothing mm. from Europe. And um, that was meant to launch in 2022, completely set back because of all this going on with Roscosmos. It's, now yes. it's not looking likely until near 2028 or after. So like it, it, this this really puts a spanner in the works when this stuff happens. So like having a spaceport of our very own in Sweden would be very good. It'd be nice. It'd be kind of yeah. cool to go and visit it as well. Yes. Uh, Elaine, thanks William, for coming into us. Lovely to see you again. Uh, that was Elaine Burke there. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.